is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 132 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today, once again, we have a fantastic guest. Always great to have him back on. It is Mr. B-Rob. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, And this time, we're actually going to be talking about a film that you suggested. Uh, you, You reached out and basically was just like, Hey, have you ever seen Safe House? And uh, my initial response was, no. And then we decided to talk about Safe House. <laughs> I, I believe that was the extent of it. Uh, is that yeah. your recollection? Well, but you don't remember the uh, original prompt for that. It was, um, yeah, I was having a conversation, or we were having a conversation about how Ryan Reynolds is just Ryan Reynolds in movies. Yes, and he is. doesn't have any serious roles to speak of. And I suggested Safe House. <laughs> Yes, I, uh, I I do recall that conversation. I don't recall all of it, but I, I do recall now that you mention it, yeah, that uh, it, it is interesting about Mr. Ryan Reynolds, especially recently, um, as I know I've mentioned in uh, episodes past, that he does tend to enjoy just sort of being himself. So, uh, so yes, definitely. And who wouldn't want to be? Yeah, yeah. If you can get away with just being yourself and getting paid, handsomely for it uh yeah no i absolutely can see how how he has managed to do that and uh jammy git um but, uh, lovely man but a completely jammy git um <laughs> no okay so let's get uh nuts and bolts out of the way real quick uh first off if you want to get a hold of us about anything that is said in this episode you can go to Twitter at Blokebusters, Facebook.com slash Blokebusters, Instagram.com slash Blokebusters. You can email the blokes at Blokebusters.com or you can go to, well, uh, either Blokebusters.com or you can go to AllPotsOpen.com and uh, check us out there. It is a lovely couple of websites. uh, And then this film, Safe House, directed by Daniel Espinosa. Uh, a name that I was not too familiar with, I'll freely admit, um, and so I, I looked him up. And uh, turns out uh, there's a couple of films that he's done, or is almost finished doing, uh, that uh, I recognize. The first is from 2017, he directed Life. Um, mm-hmm. I have not seen it, but I am aware of it and of its uh, supposed connection with Venom. What? Uh, yeah, the uh, for for people that are completely unaware and don't mind mild spoiler question mark. Um, life is sort of seen as potentially a pseudo origin of Venom, but unofficially. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa! You mean life with Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, or a different life? This oh, is a 2017. Life. Oh, you talking about the? <laughs> I know what you're talking about now. With uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and all of them. All right. Yep. And Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he also uh, is the director of Morbius, 
which will mm-hmm. be coming out soon. The uh, Jared Leto vampire MCU slash Sony uh, film that is coming out. So, uh, yeah, I definitely had no idea that was him. And uh, now I'm intrigued. Uh, more intrigued than I was when I saw the trailer recently. So. Yeah. I did say the same thing, though, because um, I didn't see life all the way through. But um, I, I saw bits and pieces of it, and I thought that it had the potential to be the origin of Venom. Because, I mean, it's a similar thing. Astronauts go to space. They find a symbiote. Symbiote latch on to somebody. They bring it back to Earth, and there it is. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, it, it is more so than, um, you know, obviously you get people online when you talk about these films who start, putting out fan theories and all of that. And so, yeah, it, it seemed to fit well uh, with this film. And then people really started looking into it and like, it really does seem like they had it in mind. And mm-hmm. especially when you look into, um, and obviously we're not doing this, uh, there was stock footage from Spider-Man 3 that was in a trailer for it. Then the screenwriters for Life had previously written a Venom script, uh, and uh, uh, the Daniel Espinosa had confirmed he is a fan of Venom, so it's clearly heavily influenced. So it's one of those things where had things gone a different way, uh, then they absolutely could have used it as a Venom uh, origin. Uh, but then we obviously got Venom, I believe, a year after that. So uh, look, um, so doesn't actually factor into the uh, current Venom canon, but I can see it being used as much probably down the line. Um, maybe during another reboot or whatever <laughs> whenever they get to that. So how um, do you think that's going to go? I don't know. <laughs> well, well, the word on the street is that um, Marvel and Sony came with an agreement for another three Spider-Man Marvel slash films. They did, yes. Which means that Supposedly, Tom Holland will continue to be Spider-Man. However, there is always the possibility that he will stop. Like it, and we are never going to know until uh, it happens. Which uh, I I kind of appreciate because yeah, um, I uh, I myself am a Doctor Who fan. I'm sure it has come up before on some of these. Uh, and when it comes to Doctor Who, there is absolutely no way that they can hide when there is going to be a new Doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they've, uh, ever since the series got rebooted and restarted with Christopher Eccleston, they announced that he was going to be leaving without telling Christopher Eccleston. They just announced that he was going to be leaving and then made up a reason as to why he was leaving, which turns out was false. Um, so we all knew that when the last episode of that series came on, that he was going to regenerate. And then when David Tennant left, that was a huge thing. Um, and then when Matt Smith left, once again, you think like, so I'm used to at this point, no matter what, um, even outside of Doctor Who, pretty much any any film, anything where there's been any form of recasting whatsoever, you know months or sometimes even years ahead. Um, so I kind of like how close... Marvel and everyone are holding their cards to their chest for these. Yeah. Um, so, 
yes, no, it will definitely be interesting. I'm, I'm, intri- I'm very intrigued to see where that goes. Um, yeah, and specifically, I mean, they don't even have to go to Peter Parker route. They no. can go Miles Morales. They can indeed. They can also go, you know, basically pretty much anyone at this point. In <laughs> given that they're going with multiverse. Literally any character we've seen so far could turn out to be Spider-Man. Um, yep. They future-proofed all their franchises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have time travel. They have multiverse theories and variants and everything. So, I mean, they have future-proofed their franchise. Yeah. Nobody is truly dead and nobody is truly gone. Exactly. Uh, although I, I do think the final shot of, like, any Spider-Man uh, film, like being the final Spider-Man film that of this current era, shall we say, um, has to be J. Jonah Jameson as Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be whenever J.K. Simmons decides to retire, they need to just finish whatever Spider-Man film it is and just have him as Spider-Man at the end of it. Okay, getting back to to safe health. So this film had a budget of. Eighty-five million dollars and a box office of two hundred and eight million seventy-six thousand two hundred and five U.S. dollars worldwide. U.S. And doll hairs. Indeed, yes. Um, it's amazing that they were accepting that as tender all the way back in two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, as of when this episode will air, will actually mean that this film is uh, pretty much ten years old. Uh, at this point because uh, uh, this episode will come out at the beginning of uh, next year we are recording this at the end of 2021 uh, for prosperity there uh, but yes uh, yeah, it's interesting I when you asked me if I'd seen this film I said no I don't think I have and I looked into it and I was like no I've not seen that and then as I sat down to watch it and it was just unfolding in front of me I was like I think I have seen this <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh and, but I couldn't tell if it was one of those things where the film is relatively by the numbers, so you kind of know what's going to happen, you know like what some of the big scenes are going to be, and you can see some of the things coming. Or I had seen it before and had forgotten, and I was now... I have that, uh, that interesting sort of um, precognition that you get when you watch something that you might have seen before and you start to remember what happened before it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And so I, I guess uh, I wanted to ask you um, at this point, uh, do you feel that, that this film is a very sort of by-the-numbers th- thriller uh, in this case? Like, d- does it follow the the stereotypical plot of these films. Uh, oh, like. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, in hindsight, watching it again in preparation for tonight. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but way back when, when I watched it the very first time, I just like, usually first viewings for me are just turn the brain off and enjoy it for what it is. That's yeah. so the first time I watched it, that's exactly what it was. So going back to watch it again as a review is just like all the people are in inept. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and yeah, yeah, a large number of people are inept. The person that you are fairly certain is going to be the double crosser is mm. the double crosser, and the main characters have 
some of the best sets of plot armor you could find this side of uh, anime. So yeah, no, it's um, it, it's very interesting watching this because, as I said, I genuinely couldn't tell if I had seen it before or if I was just correctly guessing what was going to happen next each time. Because watching it again, just um, after seeing it, it's just like, all right, you can see the bad guy. You can see his sussiness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's very sus. And it's just like certain things that were said and just, you know, facial expressions and things as well like that. It really is a tale in this film. But like for the first time, like fresh, never not knowing anything about it, somebody just watching it, they probably wouldn't have picked up on it right away. Yeah. And it, and it, it is interesting because there were a couple of times where, uh, Brendan Gleeson's character uh, does a thing where you know they they've just made a call or they've just figured something out in the war room basically as mm-hmm. and then he either comes back into the room with his phone in his hand or he leaves uh, and then it like cuts away. I was kind of hoping that it would turn out. Uh, to be linked later that was the actual villain and that uh, Brendan Gleeson's character would then be working to catch her and be on uh, you know Ryan Reynolds's side um, but that wasn't the case <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it they did they did plant the you know if you happen to know this style of film uh they did plant the seeds uh as they went and it did turn out to be exactly what you thought so um but yeah i um and i will say it does sound like i'm bagging on this film a little bit (laughs) um uh and if you if you went into this expecting it to be completely unique um then yeah no you're going to be disappointed uh Mm. but um i will say right now i did not uh, dislike this film at all um i uh, i did enjoy it and uh, i'm interested to get your your take on it because obviously we we had ryan reynolds in a a fairly serious role and he doesn't have a huge amount of the wisecracking uh ness that we know from ryan reynolds now um mm. there was some Definitely, there there was some in there, especially very at the toned down. Yeah, um, yeah, it was like he he was clearly doing the PG thirteen version of what he can do for this film, even though this film um, I I don't believe was PG thirteen. Um, I actually have no idea. Too, too much shooty bang bang for it to be PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, Let me. I'm to, a double check. Yeah, I'd say I I would imagine it was probably. Um, was it R? I think yes. yeah, because it's PG thirteen, and then it goes straight to R in America, doesn't it? So indeed, yeah, uh, which is so weird. Um, yes, it is rated R. Okay, yeah, uh, and it, yeah, there was some swearing and stuff, so I I, I didn't assume it was going to be PG thirteen, uh, but uh, um, but yeah, I I it was interesting to see him genuinely taking this role seriously and and, and trying to go through that, and and I I think his character was written the way that I would expect a serious Ryan Reynolds character to, to be written. Um, like, yeah, cause he is sort of, he's not the newbie. 
because he's obviously been working in this job for a while, but he is completely new to the situation he's in. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a surprise to me that that was kind of how his character was. Um, uh, but I will say I did enjoy uh, Denzel Washington as Frost. I thought he was uh, far and away the best thing in this film. Um, oh, yes, of course. And uh, uh, for me, I was getting flashes of... Um, Tom Cruise from Collateral. Uh, oh, like I haven't that. seen that in a long, long time. Yeah, no, I, I need to go back and rewatch that. But uh, just his his character um, and and his demeanor, like I, I was sort of getting flashes of that um, mm. as it was going on, and uh, um, and I very much enjoying it. Um, I also don't remember. I think Collateral came out before this film, but I I do not recall, and I have not looked it up. So uh, there we go. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it was um, it was a good pairing. I I, I will say the collateral for, came out in two thousand four. Ah, so absolutely <laughs> eight years before this one. Um, yeah, no, that uh, I would say uh, it was one of those one of those things where you hear like, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington doing a sort of spy action thriller, like yeah. And then I can't recall even Denzel, you know, I could be completely wrong, except for uh, it was a real, real, real old movie. And I think it's the very first movie that I saw Denzel in. And it was called uh, Heart to Heart or something like that. It had the guy who played the detective in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Had Bob Hoskins in it? Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Yes. Um, So Bob Hoskins was a racist cop. And he had a heart attack, and Denzel, uh, he died. He was an organ donor, and he gets his heart. So once he do the transplant, you start seeing Denzel as like a ghost and shit. You following him around <laughs> and shit, and make him change his ways and turn over a new leaf. Okay, heart condition. Yeah, yes. A 1990 buddy fantasy comedy film. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only film that I can recall of Denzel Washington doing comedy. Not only to be second to Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg. Okay. So these are the only two comedy films that I can recall Denzel Washington being in. Yeah, he he generally is the serious one. I, I know I've seen him in the Manchurian Candidate remake, uh, Training Day. Um, I know he was in The Bone Collector. I, I unfortunately mm-hmm. have not seen that one, but I've heard he was very good. Oh, um, they made a TV show after that movie. They did? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna uh, the that. guy that, that's from, um, what's that, uh, Lincoln Heights, the cop. Dad, he's like everybody's dad in every sitcom and shit. He wound up playing Denzel's character. Oh, okay. All right. I'll, yeah, I'll have to look that up. That could be interesting. Uh, but but the character Denzel plays in here, uh, Tobin Frost or whatever his name is. That, that um, is it exactly. So it feels like to me is a evolution of uh, Denzel's badassery characters leading up to Training Day in 2012. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it is definitely um, definitely something where I can see him pulling from all of these things that he's done and. I think for this film, I I genuinely can't think of anyone else that would have done this role better. And obviously, mm-hmm. it, it's easy to say that because this is what we got. Like you know, and, yeah. Um, I I enjoyed it, so I would find it difficult to imagine someone else in that 
a particular role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I genuinely can't think of anyone who would have taken this script and this setup and done a better job um, at delivering what we got. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. So basically, you, you taking uh, 2007's uh, American Gangster, his uh, portrayal of Frank Lucas, then you're going to sprinkle it with some of this Tobin Frost character, and then it will give you 2012 Denzel and Training Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe even a little touch of his character from uh, 2000. No, no, that's after the fact. Never mind. I can't even uh, <laughs> correlate that because it came after Training Day. But yeah, all those three that I mentioned, two I mentioned prior to Sprinkles, and it makes the character we got in Training Day. Um, I will say Training Day from 2001. So, um, what, it's 2001? 2001, yep. What? Hold on. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the wrong dates on all this crap. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I. I will say um, one thing I, I found very interesting. I, I was going right, back. So, yeah, yeah, in reverse. So <laughs> training day, Frank Lucas to this movie. There yes. you go. There you go. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I was trying to think back, like looking at Denzel's filmography and, and checking in on some of those things. A lot of action. A, a lot. Um, and I think the film I saw him in before this one uh was actually book of eli uh Mm -hmm. so very interesting that's your first viewing of him uh that wasn't my first ever viewing of him um as as i said i had seen training day and manchurian candidate Mm -hmm. um and some of those so and so i've seen i had seen him in things before but the most recent film that i recall that i had seen him in was book of eli and Mm -hmm. then this one so um yeah very different role <laughs> oh yeah you should look at a a film from 20 uh, uh, i was about to say 2006 <laughs> 2006 <laughs> called uh deja vu i mean this just quickly turning into a denzel pack podcast but well. yeah dude made some good movies even though me and him got beef because um <laughs> when my wife was on our, my anniversary show for the podcast we do um, for every year for my birthday. She comes on the show and she answers questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. So one of the um, questions was like the indecent proposal joint, like, but they dumbed it down. They made it like a kiss. Like if a celebrity came up to you, offer you some money for a kiss, blah 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 blah, and she picked Denzel. So me and Denzel always have beef. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah, I mean. Be doesn't fair. make him a bad actor, though. No, no, no. <laughs> Does not make him a bad actor. And uh, um, uh, I would say I would accept money. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, what, one thing I, I was actually um, going to say, and I, I didn't even realize this at the time, uh, when I was talking about how this film has the pairing of Ryan Reynolds with Denzel Washington in this sort of film, and it's like, okay, like, Interesting. I'm not quite sure how that would work, and they pulled it off. I was going to say that uh, it would be the same sort of a pairing as a film that I did not watch because I thought it sounded really stupid, um, and it's unstoppable. 
Oh, yeah, and yeah. I have just realized that Denzel Washington was in that one too. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, like, cause I remember he- hearing about it and being like, okay, so you got two good actors in this film. Like, it, it's a very interesting idea. Um, uh, and then, uh, as it turns out, I believe it was uh, fairly well reviewed and, and did well, but. Uh, um, uh, it never, never piqued my interest. Uh, I'll be perfectly frank. Uh, but well, uh, Frank, how do you feel about all this? <laughs> uh, well, I'll say I, I think what I want to do with this, like, rather than kind of delve into the plot, because as we have at this point well established, the plot is exactly the same as every other version of this film you're likely to find. <laughs> Yeah, a, a lot of double crossing and things like that. Um, I think what I want to do is actually ask you, outside of Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds, who is your favorite character in this film? Uh, like, was there anyone else that sort of jumped out at you as they were really good in this role? Probably the the lead henchman because he didn't say shit, but he got stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, uh, I, I did find it interesting. Um, uh, it, it didn't click in my head until I was looking it up later. But the the person who played Daniel Kiefer mm-hmm. is the well, the T one thousand. It is. Yeah, it's, it's Robert Patrick himself. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. No shit in the beginning. The um, the for the for the crew that brought in Tobin Frost, yeah, 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 because it and, and it was like I just for whatever reason it just didn't click in my head. Yeah, and I'm bad with names, so I mean I know the faces. As soon as you said Terminator, I was like, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing that actually jumped out to me, and not necessarily because of the way it was portrayed, although I did think it was a, a really good short role, um, but uh, Joel Kinnaman as Keller in the film. Um, I am a massive fan of Alter Carbon. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, a good show. Yeah. And so at this point, seeing him in anything, I'm just, I really enjoy it. So uh, in case you are having trouble placing him, uh, he is the housekeeper at the new safe house uh, towards the end. And yeah, I, I thought he did really well there. And I always will give props to... Brendan Gleeson, because I, I thoroughly enjoy his work. The issue that I had with him, and also, uh, to some extent, um, Vera Farmiga as well, like the those two in this film, it felt very much like, we're here, we're doing the dialogue, mm-hmm. and we'll see how this goes. Like I, I didn't feel like they were um, embodying their characters in this particular instance. I, I don't know about mm. you. What, what did you think? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, if, if, if this movie wasn't moving forward with the action, it was just like the dialogue was like, blah. Yeah. You know, it was just like, <laughs> all right, set up this so we can get to the next action scene. Pretty much. Yeah. It, it is, um, it is interesting that, that, a f- like again for uh, with Ryan Reynolds, an actor who we know now um, can really perform when it comes to things like dialogue and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and especially improvisation. He's in a film where the script is meh, 
<laughs> and yeah. uh, and yet it's still really holding attention um, and doing very well at it. And so it's clear that he, uh, when given the chance, can can run with it. And it, it's it's yet again uh, an example of someone who can do amazing comedy, also killing it when it comes to doing the serious roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it is always fascinating to me that. Uh, you more often see people who do comedy than being fantastic in serious roles, um, especially mm-hmm. like, say, Robin Williams, absolutely phenomenal in some of his really serious roles, yeah, like the, One Hour um, Photo. One Hour Photo, yeah. yeah. That's the one that always sticks out to me. Yeah, and I mean, just insanely good as that. Um, Steve Carell as well, mm. he, he does some oh, phenomenal yeah, like straight Fox stuff. Fox Chaser or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fo- Fo- I think it's Fox, Fox Catcher. Catcher. There you go. One of them. Uh, and also, he is the uncle in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, mm-hmm. And he is pretty much completely straight in that and does brilliantly. And then uh, there was one other I was going to do. This shit, Jason Bateman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the whole series Ozark or whatever. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah. No, it, it It's so interesting to me just to, to watch that stuff happen. And then there's much less of, um, like, much less instances of someone who is typically really straight then doing comedy um mm-hmm. in fact the only one that is jumping out to me is leslie nielsen yeah like, yeah he, he started out 100 percent a straight serious actor and then he did airplane mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he never look back <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, I mean, he he would be like how we talk about Ryan Reynolds. He would probably be the earliest case of that, right? It's just like uh, actor, <laughs> and then when he got some leeway to be himself, this is all he did after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it, I, I will say, it is fascinating um, to to watch interviews with him and just sort of see it because that silly side, once he was able to embrace, it, like that that was genuinely just him. Like he would quite often in interviews sort of pretend that he was feeling unwell and would then like make fart noises all the time, like just having to shift in his seat and and just pretending to fart just to see what would, what the interviewer would do. Um, Mm. and yeah, like it's, uh, it's so interesting, um, to see stuff like that. And, uh, and it is, it is fascinating to me just how, how some of these people can do really well and are ridiculously talented. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Laurie being another one that I know I've mentioned before, um, just insanely talented. But um, but yeah, I I do I, f- I do I find a, another example that um, he can do comedy, but I've only really known him for serious roles. Is um the guy that played the um, was that um. Uh, the Mandarin in Iron Man Three. Oh, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, yeah, not not the bald head guy, but the the actual reveal of the man. man, yeah. man, man I was about to say Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's uh, Pedro Pascal, is it? No, oh uh, yeah, no. um, yeah, Ben Ben Kingsley. He, it's a very interesting thing. Like, if you actually go through his back catalog, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he he does some. Um, some phenomenal acting roles. Like, I mean, he is Gandhi, um, mm-hmm. as, as well as a whole bunch of other things. But there are several like little bits here and there where it's clear like he will happily take the silly role. Mm-hmm. 
and it it can be a joy to see it. Now, I despite the the amount of love I do have for Ben Kingsley as a person, um, I will always resent him a little bit for doing the live action Thunderbirds film. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um, are you aware of Thunderbirds as a as a franchise? That that was a a cartoon from back in the day, wasn't it? Uh, it it was a um a marionette show. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I remember that. It was like almost the inspiration for um, Team America, like Pr- pretty much yeah, like that like that style of puppetry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very popular in the sixties. Uh, so. Yeah, it was um, Jerry Anderson made made that whole thing. So he did Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Joe Ninety, um, Fireball XLR, I think is what it was called, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, and Stingray as well. Um, I watched all of them except for the Fireball one uh, when I was growing up. Um, just phenomenal shows. Um, actually, surprisingly, <laughs> Thunderbirds, the TV show, gave um, gave someone who was um, a uh, the daughter of uh, my parents' good friends gave her a lifelong fear uh, of enclosed spaces yeah. um, because there's an episode where people are trapped in a lift that's on fire. Um, and, uh, and that's uh, not good. Yeah. And so she actually she figured it out you know, maybe 10 years ago um, in, in therapy. Like she figured out that's where it came from. So, um, so yeah, very interesting and a great show had fantastic, um, like ongoing story, like the setting was very clear and then they made a live action, um, film, which was a prequel. Uh, and so I went with two of my friends who also watched Thunderbirds when they were younger and it's shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean... There's things that they got wrong. I genuinely don't have enough time to go over them. Um, the main issues that I had with it, the, the main two issues that I had, is number one, they gave the Hood, who is the sort of the main bad guy, uh, the, the main antagonist throughout the series, um, portrayed by Ben Kingsley, um, mm-hmm. They gave him for absolutely no reason the ability to fly. Hmm. Like he, in the show, he had the ability to sort of psychically connect with his half brother, who worked for um, the Tracy family, um, and so he would sort of get information from them and occasionally make his um, his half brother do things. Um, that was the only sort of supernatural. Thing that he had he was just also someone who had a lot of time money and uh uh nefarious uh means to interfere and attempt to bring down international rescue mm. uh but nope in this film he can just fly because why not um i guess uh but then uh, my one of my biggest uh hates towards this film aside from you know the acting um, and uh, the writing and all of that stuff, basically the film, um, is that the film is set in like 2015. It came out in um, early 2000s, I believe it was. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was set in the not too distant future of 2015. Oh, what a wondrous time that was going to be. Um, and the series is set in 2065. Um, the film ends with 
the entire lineup as we know it from the show finally being ready and about to go on their first mission. The TV show begins with them going on their first mission. Mm -hmm. So apparently between the film ending and their first ever mission, 50 years goes by. Uh, it's and it, it's something where it's like if they'd at any point just gone on Wikipedia or like watched the show and just gotten a date or even talked to the people at the Jerry Anderson estate, they would have known what the date was and just changed the date in the film. That's all they had to do, and it's clear they didn't give a shit. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, like I um, could you tell I was a big fan of the show when I was growing up. I couldn't tell, man. No, no, no. I was having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So, so anyone that is listening, um, uh, please never, ever, ever watch the live-action Thunderbirds film from the early two thousands. It is fucking dreadful. Instead, maybe watch Safe House. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it is definitely a better thriller. A uh, better action film than that one is. So, boy, we went on a, on a, on a tear on that one. Boy. Oh, we absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> as, as is the norm, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're yeah. On. But yeah, bring it back to this. I, I do find it interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier that the the action scenes are good, and there's a fair number of them, and uh, you know they they do keep the pacing of the film up. Apparently, this film was fairly criticized for the editing of its action scenes. Oh, yes. I have one scene in particular in my mind that I've been waiting to talk about. All right, so, let's go for it. All right. So I think it was right after they uh, raided his friend's house, the document forger. And, um, you know, they was chasing them through. And uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, tackled one of the uh, assailants or whatever the hell you call them. And he was holding them at gunpoint. He was already wounded because he shot him and everything. And he was pressing them for information. So... If you know your weapons well enough and you look at this scene, you hear you see Ryan Reynolds put the gun to the guy's head and you hear him cock the hammer on the weapon. No problem with that, except it's a Glock. And if you know your weapons, a Glock does not have a hammer on it. It's just a slide. (laughs) So he put the gun to his head and it, it made like. He's cocking the hammer sound, and right. a Glock can't do that because <laughs> it has no hammer to cock. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe on the day Ryan Reynolds just made that sound himself, and they right. ran with it. No, yeah, that uh, like I I do not know my weapons. Um, uh, I would I yeah you know, I have had no experience myself with those well, sorts of things. However, well, think of a revolver. You, everybody know what a revolver is, right? Yes, exactly. If you ever seen one of those in the movie, you know how he put his thumb on the back and he pull it back, yeah. and it makes the cocking okay. sound. You get that uh, that lovely click as it goes yeah. down. Yeah, a, a Glock does not have that mechanism to do that. <laughs> no, yeah, that that is definitely something that I feel like a lot of these films. Um, and especially, potentially, there was a crunch to get this film out. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I did not look into that. But yeah, it, it definitely feels that a lot of times people that are doing the sound editing, um, they they go to the, the weapon soundboard 
and uh, and pick a sound that they think is most menacing or most gets across what's going on. Yeah, uh, it makes sense in the moment. It makes sense in the scene, but yeah, it it is is just a small faux pas. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's like little things like that. You you can you can kind of get away with in this sort of a film because let's face it, the majority of people that are going to see this film probably are not either paying too much attention to that or do not have as much experience with those sorts of weapons uh, and it will slide by. Now, potentially, uh, this is something you just picked up on your second viewing. Do do you feel like you caught that the first time you watched it? Oh, yeah, I I did not. You know, the first couple of times that I watched this, I I did not pay attention to it. Exactly. So I, 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 I get the feeling that chances are enough people that watch this when they made it um, either didn't know or didn't care. Uh, and then, you know, the majority of people didn't really catch it. Uh, but uh, as you say, any actual critical look into it from someone that knows their stuff. Uh, yeah, that doesn't pass muster. And mm-hmm. actually, specifically that scene as well, when uh, they are going after Frost and Ryan Reynolds is in the car going after him. I will freely admit, couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Um, <laughs> like Obviously, Frost was running. Ryan Reynolds was driving. Uh, it felt like they ran over the same house several times. Um, like the, mm-hmm. the same portion of that because it, it kind of looked like they basically just had him drive down one street reverse and then drive down in a slightly more erratic manner and then just kept doing that every time they cut to him driving because um i I didn't feel like he actually was going all the way through this thing um it's very disjointed and then it was so dark um like (laughs) Mm i was watching this on my tv um at uh, uh at night so i had lights on but it wasn't as bright as daytime. And so I don't know if my TV wasn't set up right or if this was just another example of Hollywood being like, oh, it's nighttime. Let's kill every light in this scene. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't tell what the hell was going on half the time. Um, uh, I I obviously knew what would, you know, basically what would happen and I got the idea and then, once he got into the car, oh look, the lights inside the car work now. Um, so we got a better view of what what they were doing. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I I can see why there were criticisms of, uh, of this film's editing. Um, uh, but even even despite that, I do feel that the majority of the action scenes were well handled. Um, and on top of that, uh, pretty much any scene towards the beginning where uh, Denzel is attempting to to get away from the people that are after him. I thought that was a really well done scene. Um, yeah. like, you can see him assessing the situation every time he got caught. Or he was just like, how am I going to get out of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it was really interesting as well, given this day and age, when every film goer is basically spoon fed every single piece of information they need to know. Um, the fact that we actually have no idea who he is until mm-hmm. he gets into the CIA, um, like, or not CIA, sorry, until he gets into the embassy and then the CIA come in 
and explain to us who he is. Like it's mm. what about fifteen minutes from when we first see him to when we actually find out why anyone is after him. Um, like I, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that it was um, a nice change from all these films where, like, basically it would start with you see surveillance on this guy. And then it's just two people saying, so why are we surveilling this guy? Oh, you don't know? This guy <laughs> is actually at the top of the CIA tit list. Uh, like, um, it, uh, it was good. This this was um, probably towards the beginning of the end of when when Hollywood realized that the people that go to these sorts of films don't care for letting the film breathe um, and, and yeah. just want to just see... We just want to see action and we want to know who that guy is. Um, so... Yeah, the, and the the strange thing is, um, I do not know if you have seen the last James Bond film, but James Bond was doing well at being the slow-paced, slow-burn type film, and then every now and again it kind of falls off from that. <laughs> um, yeah, I have uh, never seen any of the, uh, what's his name, Daniel Craig? I've never seen any of those James Bonds. Okay, I would suggest if you ever were to dive in i would suggest watching casino royale mm -hmm. to date probably the best james bond film uh, i would argue and then skyfall i think Re isn't that the order they go in anyway i uh, know it's uh, casino royale and then i believe uh, uh, quantum of solace, quantum or something of solace like yeah then skyfall um so just read the synopsis of <laughs> quantum of solace i didn't hate specter but it's not as good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but you do need to know what happens in Spectre to fully understand No Time to Die. Uh, so. no, no. I, I might check it out because um, I'm going to wind up getting the whole James Bond uh, box set here pretty okay. soon. There you go. <laughs> That's another thing. Like We still don't know for sure who's going to be the next James Bond. Um, I do know that Idris Elba was heavily campaigning for it behind the scenes. Yeah, um, yeah. and people were heavily campaigning for oh, it yeah. to be no, too. He would be phenomenal. He would be a fantastic Bond. I'm just, I'm going to be intrigued to see how they handle it because mm -hmm. up until Daniel Craig took the reins, it was pretty much just kind of taken as read that James Bond was the name of 007. Yeah. So, you know, um, it was never explicitly stated in any of the other films that James Bond was actually the birth name of any of the people playing 007. Mm. Um, whereas with Daniel Craig, it is pretty much established that that is his name. So mm. I genuinely don't know what they're going to do. He's like um, a hundred year old man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he is Doctor Who at this point. Like, they're just somehow going to have, like, a regeneration scene. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like, given given how more gritty these films are and attempting to give, like, I mean, given what the films are, there, there's always mm. that weird little suspension of disbelief um, within them. But uh, um, I feel like what they might do is make it a thing that anyone who now becomes 007 will then also be known as Jane Bond. Like, and it, that will become the moniker for that agent. So, you know, maybe the first film will be whoever is the new Bond getting used to that. Um, because there's no way they're going to change the name. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's not going to be, you know, Tony Slattery or whatever <laughs> to bring back Ben Kingsley. But um, it'll be interesting. I, I feel I should ask you at this point, given <laughs> once again, we've uh, uh, diverged a little bit from uh, from this film. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to explicitly touch on uh, when it comes to Safe House? Oh, uh, you said it comes to Safe House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say my wife, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, minus the little nit picky tiny little things or whatever i mean yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie it's one of my favorites i mean i haven't watched it in a while but still when i watched it even with the uh reviewing eye for the show mm-hmm. i mean i still enjoyed it it's a solid film it holds up yeah yeah that that is one thing like yeah it definitely holds up given the location and everything and um you know, we obviously know when it was made like it's not one of those things where they attempted to have futuristic gadgets which can yeah. instantly date a film mm-hmm. uh funnily enough Cause, <laughs> yeah because the um the data chip that he was carrying around i ain't never seen no shit like that before so i mean yeah. <laughs> they can say it's super old they can say it's super new so i mean it is what it is so they had some interesting little things in with that it was kind of fascinating as, as we said it was fascinating to see ryan reynolds doing a a more serious role i i would argue that he was better in the film Buried when it comes yeah. to the sort of series role. I, I would say that was a better film for him than Safe House, but that is not a knock on this film at all. Um, and there's a, a, a far more unfortunate ending in that one. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, definitely a film that you would not necessarily want to watch on a down day. But yeah, no, it, it was fun. It was fun to watch this film. I, I definitely enjoyed the pacing of it as i said um a good amount of action scenes in it that actually flowed well i think my favorite of the action scenes was when they went into the stadium i thought that was probably the yeah some of the best put together scenes because it just the sense of where everything is how everything was going uh you know when things started to go wrong like I I thought that was very well put together, and uh, and obviously they were they were watching some uh, good old football, so I'm always fond of that, opposed to that uh, silly silly hand egg. That, hand uh, egg. <laughs> I mean, come on, how often does the foot hit the ball in American yeah. football? <laughs> Every time they score. Well, or including when on a touchdown. Returning, and yeah. Every time they make a touchdown, you have an attempt, so they foot the ball. When they uh, are giving it to the other team, foot to ball. When they're punting, foot to ball. So quite a few times, just not as much as the proper football. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, because what? I, don't, what I think we should just call it. I don't think we should call it football. We should just call it NFL. I know it's the name of the league, but we should just call it NFL. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it. I, I would be all for that if it was just uh, like, so it's not football anymore, it's NFL, and then we're going to call actual football football mm-hmm. uh because that's what the rest of the world <laughs> calls it um, mm-hmm. yeah it, it is so fascinating to me how some of those things go and and i do you know i know that some people might come up and say well you know that the english people did call it soccer as well it's like i'm well aware however we don't call it soccer anymore so mm-hmm. um you know I, i'm definitely in keeping with um following that but uh but yeah as i was saying uh, this film, despite 
um, admittedly, some of the issues with the editing um, and the screenplay just being sort of meh. Um, you know, definitely got some great performances in it. Um, does have some mm-hmm. good thrilling moments. Um, you know, and even, the ending will make you happy, sad, or yeah. sad, happy, or just sad, <laughs> sad. Yeah, I mean, depending on um, depending on which way you uh, you fall when it comes to the characters, absolutely, there are many potential ending feelings there. But uh, um, but yeah, I, I I did enjoy the ending. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure the way it would go. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I had a rough idea and. Uh, and it pretty much followed that, but uh, I, I did enjoy, without specifically spoiling it, because I do feel like um, we've been able to go through this without giving any real spoilers for the film, um, and and I kind of want to keep it that way because I do want people to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, the very final thing in the film, um, I was kind of surprised by because in these sorts of films, it usually goes. Uh, a slightly different way and they follow a certain formula um, and everyone is ecstatic in the end um, and they didn't do that with this one and I, I very much enjoyed that I, I thought it was a good way to end it given everything that had happened so yeah no, I, I I do suggest that anyone that has not as of yet seen the film Safe House go and watch the film Safe House um, I can tell mm-hmm. you it is on Peacock right now so if you yes, uh, same place I watched it. Also, it's just like with some of these streaming services or whatever. I don't know if they got a good copy or not, but like the sound was kind of wonky to me. It yeah yeah it was a little odd at times. I happened to have a friend who had a DVD copy. Yeah, that's that's the preferred method if you can watch it. But you know you, you get it how you live. Yeah no exactly um uh, I because I asked him um I asked him like hey. Uh, do you have another that? He has an extensive uh, collection of DVDs, uh, and he he did. So uh, so I borrowed that. I watched it, and then the next day, I saw it was on Peacock. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like, well, I could have waited. Uh, but then I, I I have heard that there's some weird audio issues. Uh, I don't know if it's with the server itself or if it's with the copy they have. But uh, but yeah, if if you do happen to have a um, analog copy, um, yeah. Even back then, potentially VHS might still have been a thing. If you happen to have a VHS of uh, Safe House, probably preferable to, to streaming at this time. But, uh, but yeah, do check it out. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that's it uh, from my side. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we go? Watch the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Watch it. Watch it as soon as you can. But, yes, uh, well... Uh, in that case, once again, thank you very much for coming back on and suggesting yet another film that we can talk about. Uh, always interesting. Or not. To, or, or not. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I should say thank you for suggesting a potential topic of conversation mm-hmm. or an episode to, to sort of string some conversation around. If this is, by any chance, uh, someone's first time listening to you on this podcast, how can people find you in other places? Word. Um, I host my own podcast called The Random Ramblings with Rob, which you can um, find on all the social media platforms to include uh, specifically Twitter at 3R Show and uh, Instagram at The 3R Show. Find the podcast on all podcasting platforms. And I'm also now part 
of a weekly wrestling talk show called RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, which is every Wednesday night live at uh, 9 p.m. Central. Uh, yes, 9. 9 p.m. Central and uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to hear about professional wrestling or the lack thereof, possibly, <laughs> come tune in on Wednesday nights. I will freely admit I know nothing about uh, professional wrestling uh, but I have been able to to drop in on a couple of those and uh, it's always entertaining uh, so yeah please do go go listen uh, slash watch um, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, yeah do give uh, B-Rob some love there and obviously I mentioned at the beginning but I'll go over it now as well for Blokebusters Twitter, Facebook, Instagram just search Blokebusters send that email to theblokesofblokebusters.com if you so wish to have a long form discussion via email but uh, yeah please do reach out let us know what you thought of Safe House what other films you might want me and potentially uh, be up here to, to talk about or not talk mm-hmm. about as we uh, yes. as we obviously don't um, but, but yes uh, uh, and also i am on one episode of the random rambling with rob podcast uh, if you mm-hmm. want to listen to me avoid answering a question for two and a half hours please go listen yes. to that <laughs> yeah and not even avoiding it just takes me a long time to get there yeah. uh, but, uh Always a blast once again to have you on B-Rob. Thanks once more. And uh, all of you out there, I'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.